I love their heart to lead us in worship, to want to bring us to greater depths of love of our Father, who loves us much. What a good, good Father He is. And man, I really do get a sense that, as, as we talked last week, if you were here, that the problems we're facing in our nation are, are solved by first fixing the church. Lord, heal our land, but may you start by healing your church. And a big part of that is that calling, that understanding of we've got to turn our face back to Him. That where there are areas in our lives that are not in alignment with Him, Holy Spirit, may you illuminate that. You know, sometimes we're blind to those things. And this is part of the value of the body of Christ. We need brothers and sisters who are going to say, hey, you've got a blind spot here. You might need to make some adjustments. So I just pray, as as we're walking into this season, holiday season, uh, I just really believe the Lord is speaking over the church. Please align yourself with me so that I can do what I want to do in your life and in the life of the church. And and we're going to examine one area of our lives in the next couple of weeks as we examine a heart of thanksgiving. Who can believe that it is November? It's like we keep flipping that calendar. Where is the time going? Which means, of course, some of you are playing Christmas music. My wife's clapping. She's hoping to get in Christmas music wherever she can. Some of you, of course, never stopped. Shame on you. But that's okay. Christmas can be celebrated, at least the spirit of Christmas, all year long in some regards. But I do love this month as, as we look at Thanksgiving. It really, for me, growing up, was one of my favorite holidays of the year. I grew up in a house that celebrated Thanksgiving. We always invited people over into our home as a part of Thanksgiving. And one of the things we would do is go around the table and talk about things that we're thankful for. Talk about the goodness of God in our lives, and we continue to do that. We do that with our kids and our family. Um, and it really is, it was treasured memories for us as we reflected on the goodness of God over the past year in our lives. You know, and even if you're not in the habit of doing that, if that wasn't a tradition for your family, it's not uncommon to, during this time, to reflect upon Thanksgiving. What is it that you're thankful for, the, the good things in your life? I see that on Facebook. Sometimes people do the daily Facebook posts, things to be thankful for. I haven't seen it as much this season, this year around. And there's nothing wrong with being glad for belongings, for health, for all of these things. But what I would challenge you in is, do you really have a heart of thanksgiving? That no matter what circumstances you're facing, we looked at that verse from Thessalonians last week where the Apostle Paul writes the church in Thessalonica, and he challenges them, be thankful no matter the circumstance. And that's what a heart of thanksgiving is, a frame of mind, a grateful outlook in life. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at a heart of thanksgiving. And we want to spend time talking about a heart of thanksgiving because what I know is one of our church core values comes out of a heart of thanksgiving. We talk about abiding daily. Uh, Man's breakfast yesterday, Leon shared from Andrew Murray's book, Abide in Christ. We want to abide daily. That's one of our core values. We want to live the word. We want to share the story of Jesus. We want to give generously. We want to serve others. So that piece of giving generously, it truly comes out of a heart of thanksgiving. This is the value. How many of you have ever encountered a generous person? When I say a generous person, is somebody's face, yeah, we've got raised hands. Does somebody's face come into your mind? Like you can picture when I say generous, somebody's face comes to mind. For me, I'm going to embarrass my wife a little bit. When I think of generous, I really do think of Shelly. And I'm going to have her, I told her I'm going to have you share a little bit this morning, but I didn't tell you I was going to put you on the spotlight. I'm sorry. (laughs) But she really has taught me much about living generously. And really, uh, for her, that comes out of a heart of thanksgiving. 
And so I wanted you to understand where that comes from, so I asked if she'd share a story or two from her childhood about why, um, as we've been married now 16 years, uh, 16 wonderful years, and, and so she's taught me for 16 years what it is to live generously, if you could share, Shell. Well, I did grow up in a minister's home. Uh, my mom and dad have been in ministry my whole life, and my dad has always pastored smaller churches and has been a vocational um, pastor. And so, you know, it's just not uncommon for different moments to come around, and my mom and dad would say, well, we just, we can't do that right now, or, you know, we just, we don't have the finances to, to do that right now, or if, if you really want it, then you need to pray about it, and you need to trust God in this. I mean, those are just common phrases that I grew up hearing all the time. And so, um, I was talking to Zach about this, that my family, a long time ago, would adopt another family for Christmas, and I couldn't quite remember, you know, where that started. You know, I was so little, I didn't really understand when did that start, when did that become kind of our tradition. And so I asked my mom, because I try to fact check my stories, you know, to make sure they're accurate according to my childhood memories. So I was asking my mom this week to say, tell me a little bit more about this in this story. And so my first Christmas that I remember, I was four years old, my dad was pastoring a church in West Virginia, and he was paid $150 a week. So my mom worked a couple of jobs, you know, here and there where she could, and it meant that there were times where we just didn't have enough, and my parents truly had to pray, and we just lived on miracles from time to time. And one of those miracles I remember, we went to bed one night, we'd been eating pancakes a lot. It was like, what are we having? Pancakes. What are we having? Pancakes. Pancakes, pancakes. And then this week, when I was asking my mom about it, she said it was pancakes and beans. And when the beans ran out, it was just pancakes. And when the pancakes ran out, I put you to bed and we prayed. And I remember my mom asking us, you know, if we were to go to the grocery store right now, what would you choose? And so we went to bed that night Listing off the random things, you know, we would choose from the grocery store. And my mom said at 9.30 that night, a lady knocked on the door for my parents' church. And my parents opened the door, and she and her daughter had bags, brown, you know, the brown bags we used to always get, you know, brown bags full of groceries. And she said it had filled the entire kitchen table. And we all got up, and we came in, and of course, we found some things that we would have chosen from the grocery store and even to this day, when Zach and I go to the grocery store and our pantry is full and the refrigerator is full, I always tell Zach, I feel so rich. I always feel rich when there's just plenty of food in the house. And not that I need food in my life so much, but, you know, it's just those memories of different times in our lives where we just had to trust the Lord for it, and he was so faithful to provide. So that year, that same year, is the first Christmas I remember. And that was a Christmas where we already had trusted the Lord for food. And I just think we didn't have a lot of expectation for Christmas. But when we came out Christmas morning, there were presents everywhere and sheets, like things under sheets. There were so many presents. And my brothers, I have two older brothers, they had been given bicycles that year, and they just used a sheet to cover them, and I was given a strawberry shortcake big wheel that year. 
It was a good year, guys. It was a really good year. <laughs> I rode that big wheel until there were literally holes in the tires. But anyways, for me, that started what I can honestly look back and say began my faith journey with God that I knew he could be trusted. He would take care of our needs. He would supply. And what I have found is that sometimes we want to say, God, we want you to supply our need, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what I want. Does that make sense? You know, like maybe he'll provide the pancakes, but really what I want is like, you know, banana nut pancakes. You know, and is God good enough to provide that? And I want to say, yes, he is. But I also want to say is I don't come to God with a list of things I want. I just come to God with expectation, knowing that he knows how to please my heart better than I know how to please my heart. And he has blessed me in so many ways and in very personal ways, given me gifts that only I had even thought of and never had spoken out loud to a person. And a stranger would come to me and say, I just felt like I was supposed to give you this. And I'm a weepy mess. And thinking, only God knew I wanted it. I didn't tell anyone. But he is so faithful to provide. And so in turn, I feel like, what should I withhold? I want to give because I know God will give back to me. And I don't give because I want him to give back to me. I know he's going to give back to me. It's, there's just something about it that makes me excited. And when I know that people are going to trust God in giving, it, it just makes me excited because I feel like, you know what? It might stretch your faith a little bit, but you're going to be overwhelmed with how good God really is. And a lot of times we think he's just not that good, but he is. And he even says, like Zach said this morning, he says we can test him in it. And so I want to encourage you, Test God in this and see what he has in store for you. And it might not be something on your list, but he knows it's the desire of your heart. Thanks, y'all. And so this morning, we're going to examine some scripture passages related to giving generously. We want to talk about that and that it comes from a heart of thanksgiving. And as we examine these verses, here's what we're going to find. Giving generously is a matter of the heart. It really is. So I'm going to invite you to read these verses along with me today. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want you to have a Bible. Then I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 37 and 38. Luke chapter 6, verses 37 and 38. And I'm also going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today, simply out of reverence and gratefulness, thankfulness that he gave us his word. And I'd also like to uh, welcome all those joining us online. It's been fun to hear testimonies. The Ivies were in uh, Gatlinburg this last Sunday, and they shared how, how wonderful it was that from Gatlinburg, Tennessee, we could be with you in church on Sunday. Uh, so it's been neat. And as we've had people that have been ill and they've been able to tune in at home, and of course we have others joining us from other locations as well, so we want to welcome you this morning. So Luke chapter 6, verses 37 and 38. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, and you will, and it will not come back against you. Forgive others, though, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. 
Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make, your, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will return, determine what you will get back. Amen. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So from this passage, we're going to see three things. The first is this, that giving generously is a matter of the heart because what you give, it comes from the heart. You know, the context of these verses, it relates to the condition of your heart. And I'm going to read a couple of different scripture uh, passages from chapter 6, and you'll see Jesus is dealing with people's hearts in this chapter. When someone talks about biblical stewardship, it's not uncommon for you to hear Luke 6.38. You've heard this verse, I'm sure. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. How many have heard that verse before? You see it on Facebook. People like that one. Okay? But if you've been in the church, I'm sure you've heard it. And sometimes the application is finances, which is okay, but that's not the full truth of what's happening here. And so before we dive into and talk about giving generously, we need to understand foundationally what Jesus is talking about here as he relates a heart of thanksgiving and that giving comes from the heart. I know some of you have listened to the Blessed Life series, and they've talked a little bit about that verse here. Some of you have not, but I know as a foundation we need to understand the context so that we can understand that what we give we will receive, but that goes in a couple of different directions. So one, that, one thing that you'd like to think is, this is important, so I give in God-honoring ways, and then God will return that investment in full, pressed down, shaken together, make room for more, running over, poured into my lap. You kind of think that way. If I give in that way, that that's what's going to happen. And that's okay, but we need to look at the context of these verses. This is why we didn't just read verse 38. We also read verse 37. Because look at verse 37. It says this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Said another way, I'm going to flip it. If you judge, you will be judged. If you give judgment, you will receive judgment. Okay, so what you give, you will receive. Let's keep reading 37. It says, do not condemn others or it will come back against you. In other words, condemn others and you will be condemned. Give condemnation. What are you going to receive? Yeah. Next phrase, forgive others you'll be forgiven. Give forgiveness, receive forgiveness. Give and you'll receive. In other words, if you don't give forgiveness, what's going to happen? You won't receive it, okay? Now, if you give judgment, what are you going to receive? Press down, shaken together, running over, poured into your lap? Oh, there wasn't very many people that said that one. What if you give condemnation? What if you give unforgiveness? This verse brings a whole new meaning to the context of this passage. It's really important. And if that doesn't cause you to want to live right, to not cast judgment, to not condemn others, to, to not offer forgiveness, I'm not sure what will. Think about what you give, you will receive. If you live negatively, judging, condemning, unforgiving, you will have it poured back into your lap, this scripture says. Perhaps in greater measure. Think about that. What you give out is what you're going to receive. This concept goes in both directions, both in the positive, but also in the negative. So be careful what you give out. This is really, really important as it understands to 
how we look at a heart of thanksgiving. It's a great verse, but it could be a troubling one as well as you reflect on your life, depending on what you've been giving out. Give condemnation, give judgment, receive it. But, here's always the good news, but give love, give mercy, give forgiveness, and what are you going to get? Love and mercy and forgiveness. So let's give the right things, and that should come out of a heart of thanksgiving. So we need to look at the challenge, but we can always look at the positive, and let's live like that. Here's one. Give cookies. I don't know. That might work, right? It's worth a try, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe you'll get cookies. Maybe you don't want them pressed down, shaken together, pushed into your lap, though. I don't know. <laughs> Shelly says, I do. <laughs> I do like cookies. Giving is truly all about the heart. Jesus says in a few verses later, verse 45, so we're in the same chapter, chapter 6, verse 45. Here's what he says. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Let me read that again. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Where is your heart? Is it a good treasure? Because an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And we know this to be true. When you interact with people, you can see what's in their heart and the way that they interact with you, right? We're fooling ourselves to think otherwise. So here's what we have. If you're wondering why people seem so contentious in the way they interact with you, could it be that you are living a contentious life? If your children are yelling at you or each other, could it be that you are yelling at your children? I don't know if you've thought about that. And I wanted to let you know, as I was diving into this passage, I should let you know you truly are a sanctifying body for me. We should always be that. That's what the church is for, that we become more like Christ. So you force me to dive into these passages as I'm diving into what it means to, to give and give generously, and I begin to examine, how are my kids interacting with one another? And Shelly and I said a couple of months ago, I feel like they're kind of bickery. Uh-oh. What does that mean about how I'm interacting with my kids? And so then I told Shelly, I said, well, with intentionality, I want to reprogram. If I'm in any way causing my kids to interact in a negative way, what could I do to change that? So at breakfast now for the last several weeks, as I had finished the research on the, on the passage, um, what I've done is I, I take my kids, so they, uh, before they go up to brush their teeth, I grab them, and I just pour goodness into their treasury of a good heart. Say, God made you. You are wonderfully made. You have a good heart because you follow Jesus. I affirm them, and then I tell them to go brush their teeth. But it's been interesting to see now the last couple of weeks how that has changed just their daily attitude. Uh, and they look forward to it now. I, I, had, I was talking with Shelly about something a couple of days ago, and all of a sudden I felt Haley next to me at breakfast. I thought, what is she doing? I'm like, oh, she's waiting for her words of affirmation. <laughs> so I encourage you parents, think about how you're interacting with your kids. Think about how you're interacting with your coworkers. What you give is what you're going to receive. Think about what you're receiving, and it may reflect or give you an eye into what you're giving. What you give flows from what is in your heart. Giving generously is a matter of the heart because giving gets rid of a selfish heart. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 15. Here's what it says. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land the Lord your God has given you, 
do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Selfishness is sin. It's evil. And if you're a parent, when you see selfishness in your kids, you know it's evil because you see it lived out. But how many know as adults, we still have selfish hearts. We can't blame it on the kids. We still live that out. What's happening in the context of this passage is God had set up an economic system that every seven years was a year of jubilee, a year of canceling debts. And so what, the, what God is saying is, is hey, if, if someone has asked you in year six for a loan and you're thinking in your mind, but wait, next year I'd have to forgive that loan, I'm not going to loan them any money. God says, you've got a selfish heart and you need to deal with it. God is the one who created giving. Think about it. Does God need anything? No. It's not for his benefit. He doesn't need anything. He created giving for our benefit. And knowing this, in Luke 6, 38, it shouldn't be the motive for giving, to give so that I receive. That's, that's not what we're doing here. God created giving as a way to get rid of selfishness and greed from our lives. You may not have considered that before. Luke 6.38 simply points out the reward for giving with a right heart. That's what we should be doing. We don't give to get. We give out of an unselfish heart. We give to remove the hold that selfishness and greed has on our heart. It's an important difference. One of the motivations for giving is to remove selfishness from our lives. As you look at Luke chapter 6, so we talked about in verse 37 and 38 that Jesus says that basically what you give you will receive. And he says, out of a good heart, you will give good things. Out of an evil heart, you give evil things. And here's the context. This is the foundation. If you go further earlier into chapter 6, verse 29 through 36, if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love like this. And if you do only good to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to only those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. In other words, don't give to get. Jesus says this, and then he gets into when you give, there is a reward for that. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Only people with a generous heart, with a right heart before God, can they truly live like this. Jesus is talking here, and he points out, even sinners love those who love them. So why would that be credit to you? Learning to give generously helps to get rid of a heart of unselfishness, evil hearts that we are born with. Because it was our choice at the beginning of creation, you may not have been there, but you would have made the same decision, because we're disobedient before God, we are. And so we were all born with this evil nature. But Jesus died on the cross, and this is the hope we have in him, so we can have a new heart in him. But we have to live that out. So although we're born with an evil nature, in Jesus we can experience a renewing of our minds, we can have a new heart, and giving helps to kill greed and selfishness in our lives. It displays the heart of God to the people around us.
So if you struggle with the selfish nature, learn to give. When it comes time to take the offering, this is what I'm going to talk about. We should rejoice. God has given us an opportunity to say, look, this is your chance to kill selfishness and greed in your life. Give, and you've killed it, okay? This is one of the reasons we can rejoice. I'm going to talk about several. Giving was designed by God to remove selfishness from our hearts because it's there. And the last point is this. Giving generously is a matter of the heart because it requires obedience. Our verse from Luke 6, 36, it relates that God is kind to those who were unthankful and wicked. Before we accepted Jesus, we were unthankful and wicked. This verse is about us. You may be thankful now, and that's great, but that was not the condition that Jesus found you in. In this passage, Jesus is talking about our condition before we made a decision to follow him. This verse is about us. We were unthankful and wicked, and God still chose to be generous. This is the heart of God. So we exhibit a heart of thanksgiving. We are mirroring the very heart of God as we participate in giving. We're acting like him. We reflect him to those around us. Looking back at Deuteronomy 15, I think I've only got verses 14 and 15 on the screen. I'm going to go back to 12 because I want you to have the context of what's happening here. So the writer writes, If a fellow Hebrew sells himself or herself to be your servant and serves you for six years. Okay, so basically what's happened is someone has gotten into a financial place where they now have to serve somebody else so that they can provide for their family. But what he, God is saying is, is if the servant serves you for six years, in the seventh year you must set that servant free. When you release a male servant, do not send him away empty-handed. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. So what we see here is we're commanded to be generous. Some people struggle with commands, and I would say my generation more than the older generation. I don't struggle with commands. Why? Because we serve a loving God. We're commanded to be generous for our own benefit. All the commands that God gives, it's for our benefit. And so we should live out those commands. His command to display his generous nature through you to the world. We are consistently asked to be a witness to the world, and a generous heart, a thankful heart, is a part of that witness. So are you reflecting the image of God to the world? Are you generous, showing a heart of thanksgiving to all those around you? Giving generously is truly a matter of the heart. One of the opportunities we want to provide as a church to display the generous nature of God to those around us is through something that we're going to call a season of giving offering. We're not taking it today, but I just want to tell you a little bit about it. We want to do this moving forward as a church. Often in the holiday season, churches are requested, hey, could you help in this thing? Could you help in this thing? And then churches wind up taking multiple offerings. Could you give to this, give to this? And we don't want to do that. We want to make it very simple for you to display a heart of thanksgiving. So we want to take one offering during the season, the Thanksgiving season, the Christmas season, to say this is ways that you can be a part of blessing others. So what we want to do with this one, and we're going to take that offering on Sunday, November 20th. So at the end of this three-week series, we'll collect the offering. So you can think about that as we go through this series on God. Would you like me to be a part of this offering to display your heart of thanksgiving? And here's what we want to collect for, a couple of things. Number one, we've got families in the church that would love to be blessed and need some help in the holiday season with a Thanksgiving basket. So we want to be a part of that. Second thing is, is we've got a food pantry where families come in and we love to bless them with some Thanksgiving baskets. And the third thing is, is that we had, um, for years, I talked with Elizabeth Webb, one of our 
our members of the congregation. She has, for years, collected uh, shampoo bottles for a jail ministry, so I'm going to ask her to come and share a bit about that. If Elizabeth is in here, if you don't mind to give her a microphone. Oh, here she comes. So she, from the age of six, has been collecting these shampoo bottles, but I wanted you to hear her heart behind what these shampoo bottles are for, and then I'll come back and explain. Thanks, Elizabeth. Good morning, CPC Church. I'm so glad to be up here with you all this morning. As he just said, I'm Elizabeth Ann Webb, and since I was six years old, I have been donating to the Indiana Women's Prison. When I was eight, I became the chairwoman of the shampoo drive for the Indiana Women's Prison. I so here's the background information on it. When I was six, I started donating, and I only did that after I said I would not, because I thought these women were evil. Well, my parents got pretty upset by that, obviously. <laughs> and so, after a lot of lectures and a lot of learning, I realized that these women aren't necessarily evil. They weren't shown love, like me. I didn't realize that I had a family who cared, and most of them didn't, weren't taught right from wrong. Sorry, <clears throat> weren't taught right from wrong. So after a lot of time learning about this and reading the Bible and understanding what it's like to have Jesus love, I realized that it was not only my passion to show these women love, but it was also my calling. So when I was eight, I became the chairwoman, and for the past 12 years, the CPC slash Bethel congregation has helped with this drive. We need to be able to get this for their Christmas present and their monthly birthday present as well. So that would equal a total of 1,300 bottles, and we have hit that goal many times before with much less people, so I'm positive we can this year. I've gotten to meet many of the women after they are released who have received these as gifts. It is amazing to hear their stories of what it means to not only receive a Christmas present, because most don't get to, but also to know that someone out here actually cares and thinks about them and loves them. Many don't have anyone who loves them. So I hope that you decide to help with this because it's showing Jesus love and showing that someone else actually cares about women who feel that they're all alone. If you decide to donate the actual bottles of shampoo, cheap or great, and please buy the regular size. Thank you, God bless. Thanks, Elizabeth. So what we're looking to do is, is we've totaled and understood people that need help with Thanksgiving baskets, those that'll go through food pantry and the shampoo bottles. What we're looking at is if somebody, if you can donate a gift of $105, that covers all three things, that we can do a Thanksgiving basket for somebody in the church, somebody in the food pantry, and also cover both of those shampoo bottles. So we want to make it simple, just basically a one ask in the holiday season, out of a heart of Thanksgiving, would you like to bless local families? The other thing I'd like to put before you is I had gone and met with the mayor a couple of weeks ago, because it's my heart to, number one, express to him, the church is for West Lafayette, for the greater Lafayette community. And the second thing is, as a church, we always want to bless the community in which we live. I don't want to create things of how we can bless the community. I want to hear from you as our city's leadership. How can we bless the community? And what was interesting is he didn't share anything except for one thing he would ask. He says, you know what? We've got, obviously, Purdue is a big part of West Lafayette, and we've got 10,000 international students, and we need to get them connected to community. And I just thought, our mayor is opening the door to say, could you take international students and simply invite them and help them establish community in our, in our city? What a simple thing to do. So last Wednesday, if you got the email from the church, we sent an email to say, hey, if you'd like to host a Purdue student over the holidays, be that Thanksgiving or Christmas holiday, then there's a simple way to sign up and do that. I know many of you are part of the International Friendship Program, 
and you'll host those students. We'll do the same thing. We have a student from Iran and one from Taiwan. So they'll be over for Thanksgiving. They'll be over for Christmas. But I would encourage you, if you're not a part of that program, could you open your home to hospitality and invite them to be a part of your holiday? And Shelly and I were talking about this. For me, growing up, we always had people over for Thanksgiving, but we rarely had people over for Christmas. So it was always a little bit weird if somebody came over for Christmas, for whatever reason. Now we're at a little bit different place now in terms of our open-door policy for anybody, anytime. Um, so we're going to look at that differently. But, so I would say if it's open to you for Thanksgiving, invite them over for Thanksgiving. If it's a little bit awkward for Christmas, could you just have them over sometime during the Christmas holiday? Even bring them to the Christmas Eve service here. So the three things would be this. The first is an opportunity to give by way of offering, a financial gift. I know some of you um, could bless people in our community with multiple Thanksgiving baskets. Some of you might be able to say, you know what, all I could do is a $5 for shampoo. And that's wonderful. The, the goal is, is that everyone participates in some measure. And if you'd say, you know what, finances aren't there, but I sure could open my doors to somebody in the community. There's ways that you can be a part of blessing through a season of giving offering. And I just would encourage you to do that. So I'm going to invite you to, to stand as we're going to close in prayer here. I just encourage you to be a part. What you give, as we look at our scripture, it says, is what you will receive. So may you give out of a heart of thanksgiving, out of a good heart, a treasury of a good heart. May you give good so that you can receive what? Good. Let's try it again. If you, you give out of that good heart, what are you going to get back? Good things. So may we give out of a good heart, especially in this holiday season, that you may in turn receive good things upon your home as well. Second thing is, is we know that giving, it gets rid of a selfish heart. And that last thing is, is we know that giving, it helps us by displaying the heart of a generous God to a world that needs to see God for who he is through the church. So may we do that. What could our homes look like if we live that out? What could your home, your interactions with your children, as you begin to pour goodness into them, may they return goodness to each other and to you? What could your workplace look like? What could our church look like? And of course, I'm very thankful because you guys do have good hearts and we see it on Main Street every week. So may you continue to give out goodness and receive goodness in return. Music team, if you want to lead us in prayer and lead us in song. But before we go this morning and before they lead us, I do want to give you opportunity. Maybe you are here today and we talked about a good God, but you don't know him in that way. But we want to give you that opportunity. So with every head bowed here this morning, I'd like to ask, if you're here today and you would say, I don't know God. I don't know the goodness of God. I don't know God as my good father. But you would like to say, you know what? I want to follow God with all of my heart, all of my soul. I want to know him as my good God. I want to know him as a generous God. If that's you today, I just would invite you to raise your hand and say, I want to choose God today. I want to follow him with all of my heart, all of my mind, and all of my strength. If that's you, if you just want to raise your hand, I'm just going to pray with you this morning before we go that you might leave in freedom and leave with the understanding that you serve and have opportunity to follow God. Anybody here today, up in the balcony, we have a hand over here on the right. Anybody else? Anybody else that would say, I want to serve you, God, over here in the back, in the right. Anybody else? I want to say, I want to follow you, God, today. I just want to pray with you. Lord, I just pray that you would, as a good God, express goodness into the lives of each and every one in this room. But especially those today that have said, God, I want to turn to you. I want to know you as my good father. I've seen you on display here this morning. And Lord, I want to follow you. So God, I pray that you give them the strength to do that well. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would follow you with all of their heart, all of their soul, and all of their strength. God, I just thank you that you are generous. And so, Lord, I pray that in turn, we would be generous to the world around us. Help us serve you today and all this week. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 
you raised your hand this morning, Pastor Jennifer, who took communion this morning, is up here on the platform. And we're going to close in song. And as we go back out of these doors here after the song is concluded, I'm just going to encourage you, instead of going back out the doors, come out through the front. So before we go, let's go ahead and sing and close in song this morning. We know the great God we serve. Oh
have our hope, we have our answer. So as you leave from this place, may you truly display a heart of thanksgiving to the world around you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he show you his mercy and fill you with his peace. May you go with God this morning.